The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. In these times of rapid change, chaos, and crisis... A new wave of legendary leaders is rising up to answer their higher calling. Many are not famous nor have followers, though some do. They are brave individuals like you, seeking your highest truth and committed to deep personal change. Welcome to Legendary Leaders, Answering the Higher Calling with your host, Maria Danley. Here is the innovative support you've been looking for to become the legendary leader you are destined to be. Now, here's Maria Danley. Hello, and welcome to Legendary Leaders, Answering the Higher Calling. I'm your host, Maria Danley, and I'm honored to be with all of you. Thank you for listening. You know, I appreciate that you're taking your time to tune in and be with all of us, so thank you so much. Happy New Year to all of you. Our show does begin today with Merlin's childhood. We'll be talking about Merlin's, some of the stories from his childhood and his background. That will be coming up shortly. Today, we're also talking about getting untangled and finding more freedom. And I'll have two techniques that you can use for that. I'll be sharing a story of how I instantly cleared a full-blown head cold one time. I was using my energy medicine, and I'm going to show you how I did that today. I'm going to give you that technique in today's rewiring brain tool called clearing energy cords. And then later on in the show, we'll continue our discussion of healing the inner child, where you're going to learn the four most common hooks where the child gets caught, and you'll begin to identify them in yourself and know how to manage them. So these four hooks no longer trip you up in your daily life or in your feelings of empowerment. So that's the agenda for today. And as a reminder, if you have any questions about anything that is going on in your life and you would like answers from your higher self, please join us today and get your questions answered. I have the gift of being able to communicate directly with your higher self, and I relay their answers to your questions each week for one hour after our radio show ends. And if you'd like to join us, please go to legendaryleaders.com right now as you're listening and sign up for today's free hour of channeling in our tele-channeling call that will start 10 minutes after the end of this show at 2.10 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 5.10 Eastern Standard Time. Also, later in the show, I will be doing some coaching. So if you're interested in my coaching you live on the air, it will be anonymous. I'll be coaching you and how to find that inner child and work with them as well. So, that's the agenda for today. Turning to Merlin's childhood. 
Where does a timeless legend begin? We are told in the Merlin Arthur legacy that this timeless legend began when Merlin, when he, with Merlin when he was but a boy, half human, half fairy. His father was a fairy, deeply and beautifully in love with Elaine, Merlin's mother, who was human. The boy was born a bastard, a term used in our modern language. He was a half-breed, an awkward boy, a strange-looking boy. His skin was slightly different. There was something unhuman about it. The shape of his body, his ears, his head, something in his eyes that was not quite human. He was unacceptable in human terms, a mutant, deformed, defective. He knew shame. Not thinking that he was defective, he was defective by human standards. Merlin was, however, loved deeply by his mother, truly a boy that only a mother could love. His hair was longer than most to cover his awkward ears and to cover his strange eyes. And though at a distance he looked very normal by human standards, he was not, and humans turned their back upon him. Children can be so cruel to one another. Merlin was a loner, separate, riddled with shame that expressed itself very physically, and yet he had the beautiful and unconditional love of his mother, Elaine. I sat with Merlin this morning in meditation to ask him about his childhood. I meet with Merlin regularly. Most often, I slip into meditation. I open my senses to the sights and sounds around me in my safe place, and I set the intention that I want to meet with Merlin. A gentle mist begins to surround me, and I'm aware that Merlin is sending a dragon's breath, a deepening fog that surrounds me whenever I wish to spend time with him. The dragon's breath turns to dampness on my face, my arms, and clothing, and then I feel myself lifting through time and space as the gentle mist lifts me and moves me through this fog. Then all is still, and I land somewhere else. I open my inner senses and see the deep fog around my ankles. I'm in a dense wood, thick with ivy, moss, and a dense carpet of dried leaves and ferns beneath my feet. The tree trunks are old, the bark thick, ancient, the smell of smoke and dampness of earth. The air is fragrant with pine and mushrooms, fresh, clean, and untouched by human hands. The moment is quiet, still, yet I feel that I'm being watched by many eyes. It is a fairy, it is the fairy realm and I know I'm in Merlin's wood where he lives. Ahead of me, I see a massive tree trunk, golden, with golden leaves. I know it is his home, and I move to an opening in the side of the trunk. Inside the room is crowded with huge crystals, tall ones, round ones, crystals in clusters, others standing alone, golden citrines, clear quartz, amethyst. I walk among them, my head grows light and slightly disoriented, but I know my way and move past these crystals to the dark velvet curtain. I push it aside and I stand within a large room with a stone floor, a large wooden table strewn with papers, books, crystals, beakers, apothecary jars, and instruments. Light streams in through the dusty windows above me, musty and warm. The fire burns in the large room, and Merlin smiles as he comes to greet me. 
I see him less clearly today, but I feel his warm embrace, and I know I'm at home. As usual, he puts out his hand and invites me into the smaller room that adjoins the bigger one. Two comfortable chairs by the lovely warm fire. He has fragrant green boughs over the mantel today. I see a bowl of freshly picked mushrooms, teacups, a plate of lemon pound cake, one of his favorites, and a candle dripping wax onto the wooden table between us. He asks if I would like tea, and as I nod, he pulls a steaming hot pot of tea out of the air, and lifting my teacup and saucer, he pours a cup of tea for me. I ask Merlin, what do you want to share about your childhood? What do you want others to know about you, about you at this time in your life? He tells me, My eyes were odd, and most people felt very uncomfortable looking directly into them, so most people rarely made eye contact with me, and if they did make eye contact, there was a moment of repulsion or fear that I could feel more deeply than others due to my fairy heritage. My mother was the only one who could and would look deeply into my eyes, so with her I felt loved, deeply loved and at peace. There was always a feeling of shame present in me, a shame for who I was and how different I was. I wanted to be invisible. I was ashamed that others found me repulsive. I hated my looks because they caused fear and unease in others. I didn't have other children to play with, so I spent a lot of time with my mother. And because of her noble birth, I was accepted But behind my back, people spoke about me, whispered loudly in front of me, or they mocked and taunted me when they felt at a safe distance from me. I really was a loving boy. My mother knew it, and I adored her. And although I felt safe hiding behind her skirts when I was very young, I felt felt drawn out into the world, spending most of my time in nature, where I could feel at peace without fear of judgment. I felt at home in nature, Because my senses were different and I could perceive with different sight the perception of an eagle, I could see layers within objects, trees, earth, all nature. I was always a choice which layer that I would perceive, and opening my heart I could see to the truth of most situations. And when Cook or others became aware that their actions and motivations were no longer secret around me, they avoided me even more. Then I asked Merlin, what, inc- what incident do you remember where your seeing the truth caused alarm for someone? And he told me, I would play hide-and-seek with Cook in the kitchen, and she would hide thimbles and spoons, and I would find them quickly. She couldn't hide or keep anything from me. She couldn't hide any of her coins because I knew where they were, and when she discovered that nothing could remain hidden for long, she turned her back on me, ignoring my eyes completely, and she judged me harshly. I would never have taken anything from her, but she and others felt they had to hide things from me anyway. Tell me about your childhood. Tell me more about your childhood, I said. He said, I loved my freedom when I was old enough to get out into nature on my own. As a child, I spent most time finding and creating hiding places of my own where I could be alone. And I spent a good deal of time staring into the fire because it welcomed my gaze and comforted me. Staring into the fire was where I first learned to communicate with nature spirits. 
I didn't call it that, but they would talk to me, give me images and impressions in my mind. They spoke the truth to me. When I was afraid or hurt by something that happened, I could sit by the fire and it would tell me the truth behind what had happened, and I could find understanding and eventually compassion for the pain the other person was in. I could see, I could see how they were taught to be that way, and I could find my own forgiveness for each situation. The fire would tell me stories too, and I spent hours listening to the stories they tell. My mother had a small harp in her bedchamber that I would play just to hear the notes ring. I learned that I could travel on those notes. But when I got older, I spent as much time as I could outside wandering and exploring wherever I could. I was always delighted and surprised by something beautiful, or I'd see a new bird or creature, or have moments of stillness when I felt completely connected to where I was in the moment and would find peace. We looked at each other for a moment, and a wave of tenderness welled up in me. We both sat in silence for a long while, and I looked into the fire with fresh eyes. Feeling the pull to come back into my own reality, I thanked Merlin and told him that I would return again soon. Welcome back. We're going to talk about the brain tip today of, of how to get uncorded. And as many of you may know, some of you may not, we don't really see that we have energy cords that are connected to one another. It's something that you can see more with inner sight. And as a certified medical intuitive, which I am, we're seeing energy cords all the time. And what these cords do is they connect us to one another. And it's good that we're connected. But sometimes when we are in relationships with uh, friends, uh, co-workers, family members, whatever, that are more, let's say, binding, these cords can really get in the way of our energy field and, and tangle up our energy and, in a sense, make us uh, feel at times that we can't find our own voice, that it feels stuffy inside of us that we feel that we want to find some more space so we can hear ourselves think. If you relate to any of that, um, I chose this tip today because I remember a, uh, a family vacation I was on one Christmas. It was shortly after my father had passed away, and we were all in a lot of pain, and we were all comforting each other. But I came home after that that particular vacation, uh, that Christmas, and felt quite foggy and stuffy. And I called a friend of mine named John Levac, and he told me about the Academy of Intuition Medicine, which is where I got my degree as a medical intuitive. And he said, well, they have a course starting tomorrow. Why don't you come? It'll help you get your energy back and find some peace in your, in your head. And I said, that sounds good. And I signed up. It was just a five-week course, I believe. And I did it, and we learned about energy cords and how to clear the aura and do all kinds of wonderful things. It's a, it's a great place. And one of the homework assignments I had 
for one of the weeks was how to pull these cords out of, of the different chakras. And that's what, what I will be telling you to do. But I wanted to share this story briefly with you. I was, I woke up one morning and I had a horrible, horrible head cold. It was one of those that was so full blown. There was just no way to turn it around, I thought. And, um, you know, just knew I was down for the count, just having to be at home and sleep, you know, eat, drink soup and take a lot of vitamin C, et cetera. But I'm a good student. And so I came down anyway and uh, to my desk and said, okay, but I got to do my daily homework. And I started to do the work, which will look like this, where you are imagining that you have these energy cords, which you do in each of the chakras. I'll tell you more about that in a moment. But I started to do it, starting at the first chakra down at the base of the spine. I was imagining just pulling these cords out as if I had cords there. And in the beginning, you feel a little bit crazy. You don't think you have any energy cords. It all feels like you're just making it up. And you're pulling stuff out here and pulling stuff out there. And sometimes you feel like you're pulling out heavy cords. And some are more rope-like. Some are more thin and glass-like. And you just feel like you're totally making it up. And that's fine. That's how it should be in the beginning. Well, I was moving up my chakras. First chakra, pulling stuff out. And moving to the second chakra, which is right there around the genital area. Got to the third, pulling more cords out. My arms sort of flying, making up the homework really more distracted, thinking like, well, I just want to go back up to bed. And I pulled cords out of my heart chakra and then up to the throat chakra. And when I got to the throat chakra, it, it was as if my hands would not stop pulling these cords out. And I, I felt them, and you know, one pulling with my right hand, pulling with my left hand, pulling with my right hand. And I, I thought, my gosh, I, I know I'm making this up, but my heavens, the, my arms just don't want to stop pulling these cords. And I, then I sensed, no, these, these cords are more like snakes. I felt like, wow, I'm pulling snakes out of my neck. And I kept pulling these snakes out. My, again, my arm's not stopping. And finally, I kind of jerked on the last cord, and I felt like, gosh, the snake had its head kind of caught on my jawbone. And I pulled it really hard. Out I pulled it. And as I did, my entire head cleared up. And this memory happened to me in childhood when, um, as a child, I used to, uh, when I was a bad girl, I used to get my mouth washed out with soap. Something my mother had, her mother had, had must have done to her. I talked with my mom later about it. And uh, she would wa uh, wash my mouth out with soap and she'd say, every time you speak, snakes come out of your mouth. Well, of course, that's rough on any kid, certainly, but it was rough on my mother and probably on her mother's mother. But it was something passed down in our in our heritage and my family. And in that moment, when I pulled that last snake out, that memory came to my mind, and I realized I was releasing all these etheric snakes that were caught there in that, in that throat chakra. But to my shock, my entire body was fine, the cold was gone, and I felt perfectly fine. And that's when I knew, wow, illness is energy. And of course, I got fascinated by the course. I kept doing all the courses and then went on to get my master's certificate so I could be certified as a medical intuitive. And that's part of what I do when I bring my um, intuition into the work I do communicating with higher selves and healing others. So I wanted to share that with you. Not only you can know a little more about me, but more that this is so powerful. So often we forget that we can actually heal ourselves energetically. So here's how you do it. And I suggest you be very open-minded and like a child, like you're just playing. But you sit 
whenever you feel like you want to do it. And get a sense you're pulling cords out of these chakras. And you might even feel it, it, different qualities to the cords, if they're thick, if they're thin. And you go through each of these chakras pulling. And when I say chakras, for those of you who don't know, the first chakra is, is low. It's right there at the pubic bone area. You start pulling them out there. You start moving up the body. The second is more in that area around the genital area. Pull cords out there. You start pulling them out of that, the area around the belly. That's the third chakra. The fourth is really more around the heart area. You start pulling those things out. And you'll know when you feel like, okay, I think I've pulled enough cords. Or Again, don't worry about making it up. It's, it's fine. Fifth chakra is right there at the throat. The sixth is at the forehead. And the seventh is at the top of the head. So as you pull these out, imagine I am pulling out cords of, from energy or relationships with people that are, let's say, binding to me or that I'm binding to. And this is going to start healing and releasing all of that. And it's a powerful way to start getting your own energy field back. Another technique we're going to be working with is, is how to really protect your aura, and that will be coming up in another session. So try that technique out. It certainly did clear my cold, and I hope that it will for you as well if you're not feeling quite as well these days. There are lots of flu and stuff going around, but that's the first technique I wanted to share with you today. And the second part I wanted to talk about is is finding greater freedom in that sense. You're getting untangled and finding more freedom when you are releasing um, aspects of that inner child, which we started to work with last week. So as a recap of last week in that segment, this was different today as I'm going to share with you the four these four hooks that the child, particularly where the child gets hooked in childhood, and you may relate to these. So um, last week in our segment on the fundamentals of building that inner muscle to become a legendary leader, we spoke about learning to decipher the many voices that we all have in our heads. You know, we said that you are a multidimensional person with many beings inside of you, using the analogy that you are CEO with a board of directors that report to you. And so we started this fundamental program here with, with one of those voices that is far more than a voice. It's a flesh and blood real part of you, as real and alive as you who are listening right now to this radio show, your inner child. We spoke about them being very real. And for many of you who have worked with your inner child, you may have learned that the inner child is far more than just a concept. Some of you that are still stuck in childhood, you know, in the child work, thinking it's just technique, may have dismissed the child because you went to that course or, or, or learned about it in therapy, and you've already done that, so you've now dismissed the child. We say she's, that they are just as alive as ever. It's very, the child is real, and if the child is still stuck, they are hanging on, they're clinging to you because you're the only one that can help them now. So when the child gets hooked or stuck in four of the particular areas I'm about to talk to you about, the child becomes adaptive. It creates its own facade to adapt to its situation. And it also begins to shut down its own feelings to comply with whatever is going on around it. And what happens is that you then have this sort of cloudy fog in your emotional energy field where you can't get quite get to that radiant happiness that love and joy in your daily life that really is your inheritance that you can get to. 
That's why it's good to clear some of these, clear some of these, uh, these qualities that I'm going to talk about. We also spoke about how to heal this inner child, which I hope some of you are, are beginning to do that. You do that by answering the child's needs and demands, by giving it its own space, its own reality and playground, its own theater of play, so to speak. And as you take the time to give the child what it wants in its own world, you are growing new neural pathways in your brain. You're healing the child, you're healing the past, and now the child inside of you can relax and be happy so it doesn't interfere with your reality, your field of play, and you can create the realities you want without any interference from the inner child. So if you want to get untangled and find more freedom, you'll want to be more aware of the four reasons, the four places that that child gets gets stuck, where it probably got stuck in childhood and is still stuck. And we're going to talk about that when we come back from our break. We're just going to take a moment of music here. And when we come back, I'm going to tell you these four places that you get hooked as a child, the places you can entangle in yourself, and then we're going to ask for someone to call in, some people to, that we can coach live on the air. So if you are interested in my coaching you, please call 866-472-5795. Again, that's 866-472-5795. And we, I'd love to hear from you. Be happy to coach you and your inner child. And that will be coming up after this break. Listening to Legendary Leaders with Maria Danley. To receive the answer to your most burning question, please call 1 866 472 5795. Again, that's 1 866 472 5795. Now, let's return to Legendary Leaders. 
Hello and welcome back. So what are these four top reasons that the inner child gets stuck? And they may still be stuck in you. And if you relate to some of these, you may, may be very aware, that's the voice of my inner child. My adult is not, in, is not there. So that may be my child calling to me, needing my help. So the first hook where the child gets stuck is that all children want perfect love. And it's, it's common to most children to feel that they didn't get the love that they wanted. And if you hear yourself feeling at times, I'm not getting the love. I'm, I didn't get enough love in childhood or I'm not getting a lo- enough love from my partner. You know, it is, it's not actually true because if you didn't get enough love, you wouldn't probably be here or well enough. You got enough to get through childhood. But what happens is that the, the, when the child feels that it's not getting love, or let's say even perfect love, even though the child cannot define what perfect love is, and being human, we actually know there's nothing that really is perfect, (laughs) that's a misnomer, that the child can feel, I just didn't get enough love, what will happen? The child will make one of two choices. They'll either get very rigid, you know, the knees get rigid and they become stubborn and, you know, they'll dig the heels in, or the child will go limp and then just become more amoeba-like and um, just kind of a lump that really isn't, doesn't have much power. You may remember yourself making one of those two choices. I'm going to stick my heels in the sand and drag my feet growing up, or I'm going to go limp and become spineless. And that energy then clings or it hangs over the reality. So that's one of the first hooks, wanting perfect love. The second that hooks a child is that the children are self-centered. It's natural. It's, it's the way it's supposed to be. It's not bad and it's not wrong. You know, it doesn't work as an adult to be self-centered as you all find out, as we all find out later when we grow up. But a child is supposed to be self-centered. That's what they do. They don't even know for the first 18 months that they aren't their, their mother, for example. They believe they are their mother. So if you smile at a baby or the mother smiles at a baby, the baby smiles back because they think they are their mother. But after 18 months, the the child then learns that, hey, I'm separate. When they drop an object on the floor and it disappears, it's fascinating to the child. The child goes through a period of, of dropping things, bumping into things, learning about this fascinating idea that they are separate. But this self-centeredness, which is natural and is part of self-preservation, will also cause the child that if things are going on around them, if mother and father are fighting or if there's an upset, they can take that on to be, that's because of me. It's because of me that mother and father are fighting or they're going through a divorce or because father or grandpa died, um, that's because of me. That's natural. The child feels everything going on around them is because of them. But you can see how this self-centered quality, which is not bad, it's natural, could be the cause of the child believing that anything that goes wrong now is their fault or is because of them or was done to them. And if you haven't disentangled this part of yourself, it's going to be very easy to identify with that. So you can find yourself... Uh, if you find yourself caught sometimes in self-centeredness, sometimes it could be the child that is still caught there. The third hook is a child is a victim. And the truth is that they really are. You know, it's very easy for us metaphysicians and those of us who know that we create our own reality to believe that, you know, there are no victims in the world. That's simplistic. 
there really are victims. You know, when you do not know, when a person doesn't know that they're unable to have any kind of affect or impact in creating their own reality, they are a victim. And we do have people in the third, third world and in the modern United States who have absolutely no idea nor any way of ever learning or any way of ever implementing the fact that they're creating their own reality, despite the fact that they are. They don't know it. And in that sense, they really are honestly victims. Now, once you learn that, hey, you know, I am responsible here, I am creating this or I'm creating that or even allowing it most of the time, but I still continue to pretend that I'm a victim, then I'm using it as a manipulation. You you can see it in other people all the time. They play the role of victim, but they really aren't victims anymore. And that's the third hook. The fourth is defenselessness. The child is defenseless in this world. They really are totally dependent on you for survival. They're dependent on their parents for survival. They can't take care of themselves. You know, even if they can climb up and get the peanut butter at a certain age, and it's still not quite the same. They are defenseless, and it's a survival mechanism and a way to cope with fear. Now, if you know someone who's always looking for perfect love, who's self-centered, who's a victim, or often appears to take that stance, and who plays the roles of the role of being totally defenseless, they're functioning in that child part of themselves. And there are, you know, these are the, the areas that you can see. The, these are the areas that we can easily get stuck in from time to time. So what, what do we do about that? We're going to do a coaching demo in a moment. We have a woman here named Lisa. She's from Phoenix, Arizona, and we're going to talk, talk with her now. Lisa? Hi, Maria. Hey, thank you. Thank you for calling in. We appreciate that. How are you today? I'm good. You know, you know me. Okay, I'm glad. I don't remember right at the moment. And you know, actually, I'd prefer for it to stay anonymous for the moment, just okay, to protect. It's just the way I like it to be at the moment. But Lisa, I'm glad I know you. Um, and welcome. So I'd like to coach you a little bit about your inner child. And, and um, are you aware that there's an issue with your own inner child? Is that... Is, I, uh, I'm i aware I have some issues, and I'm not surprised it's from the inner child. Okay. It is, but I'm sure. Now, we may... We're going to do, we're going to very similar to the last week, we, we, we worked with someone with their inner child, but what would, what I'd like you to do right now, Lisa, since we're very specifically showing how to work with the inner child, I'd like you to, uh, if you would, close your eyes for a moment and take a few deep breaths and allow yourself to relax, letting go as you do. And um, feeling your feet on the ground, maybe letting your energy sink into the ground and getting a little quieter. Maybe another deep breath. And letting that out. Excellent. And as you let yourself relax, let your mind drift. This is not a meditation. But I'd like you to call up some memories of yourself, Lisa, when you were around the age of five, six, or seven. Your subconscious will gladly bring up an image of you as a child. And in the beginning, I want you just to watch the child. They don't see you, but just imagine where they may be. And tell me, where do you see the child at this time? I see the child in a corner. Mm-hmm. Holding a teddy bear, mm-hmm. very frightened. Very frightened. Uh huh. Is do you recognize the room that they're in? No. 
Okay. They're holding, as you say, a teddy bear and very frightened. So just watch that child. What else do you notice about them as they're sitting in that corner? Uh, not knowing where to go, what to do, crying. Crying. Mm-hmm. Okay. So in a moment, I'm going to ask you to imagine stepping into the scene so that you're standing right there in front of them. Okay? Okay. So you've been watching for a while, now you're going to step in, and, and I'd like you also to talk out loud so that the audience can hear you, and it's a way for them to learn as well. And you'll probably see them and introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Lisa, and I'm your future self. And do that now. Mm-hmm. Hi, I'm Lisa. I'm your future self. Good. And, and how? look at the reaction of the child. Are they looking at you, or how do they react? Yes, looking at me quizzically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who Quizzical. are you? Mm-hmm. And what's the attitude? Are they trusting? Are they afraid? What, what's happening? They're, uh, they're still afraid, but not necessarily of me. Okay. They are mm-hmm. just... Um, Yeah, just afraid. So you may want to kneel down so that if if that feels okay to them, if they pull back, I don't think they're afraid of you just as you said. So kneel down and look into the child's eyes and say something that is true, Lisa. That's something you know that child is longing to hear. You, you call that an acknowledgement. You are... And her, you, I... See you. I hear you. I know you're afraid, and it's okay. Beautiful. Now pause a moment and just see how that lands over there. What's their reaction to what you've just said? She is in my arms. Okay, good. Now hold that child. And you might smell and feel that soft skin, sense them there. Yeah, she's pretty much uh, crying a lot. Good. Good for her to get the and release. she's very clinging. Yeah. And I'm just comforting her, and I'm stroking her back. Beautiful. It's okay. It's okay. And Lisa, it's also okay for you to cry. The feelings of the child can come up. They are theirs, but they're also going to be feelings that you may have. And so if you need to weep, it's a good thing. It's always good to release feelings. That's where most illness happens is we trap all that stuff we're told not to feel and it's stuck in the body. And so. Yes, I get it. Mm-hmm. I feel I need to be strong for her. Well, we have a crazy notion about what being strong is. It usually means rigid and not feeling. And and maybe being strong right now is being vulnerable to feel what is true. And what are you feeling right now, Lisa? 
scared. Scared. Frightened. Mm-hmm. Anxiety. Lots of old feelings. Mm-hmm. Old feelings. And do you, do you find yourself sometimes feeling frightened or these feelings in your current adult life as well? Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> And you can see this this child is needing that and how beautiful. Thank you for your vulnerability. And just so you both feel a bit more calm, I would like to call in your higher self. This is the, the energy of your higher self in to just surround you both in a bit of white light to comfort you both. And, and look into the child's eyes again. And now what do you see going on there with her? See, once guidance. She wants comfort. She wants safety. Yes, she does. So tell her, I'm right here holding you. I'm right here holding you. I'm right here. I'm right here. Yeah. And ask her, what do you need right now to feel even more safe? What do you need right now to feel even more safe? She she wants to be able to have a tantrum. Wow, she, she wants, wants a tantrum. She wants to yell and scream Great. and run around and scream. Yes. And release so- and let go. Yes, and yes, yes. Of mm-hmm. all the built up stuff. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And you can see she needs it. And we would say to let her have that tantrum, let her do that. Now, you may not want to do it right now live on the air. It could be a bit loud. You might do it through your voice, but you also can just watch her as she lets go and you know, really lets herself have that freedom of, to scream. And let me ask you too, Lisa, what do you think she's so afraid of? Is it one of the parents? Is it the situation at home? What's scaring her so much? She doesn't feel that she can, that she has love. Mm-hmm. And from she's, that it's just not safe. Yeah. Where she is. And that mm-hmm. she can't be her. Being her is not safe. Yeah. Being her is not safe. Now, again, it's not arguing or saying, oh, you, you really are loved and I love you and all of that. Children will feel more comforted when they have an adult around them just speaking the truth. And it's as you started to do so beautifully a moment ago, Lisa, to look at her and say, you really, I see how frightened you are. I'm here to hold you. Or I'm here. I see that you're frightened and that's scary to love. Yes, and to be acknowledged for your feelings and yeah. that feelings are okay. Yeah. She did not get that. Yeah. Get that as so you may want to say that to, to her. It's okay to feel your feelings. You're not going to get in trouble with me for feeling them. It's okay to feel your feelings. It's okay, you're not going to get in trouble. It's fine, it's okay. Feel them, be them, scream and yell, run around. Go for it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 
Now, is she still clinging to you, or does she want that freedom to run around? Oh, she's already been running around. Okay, she's, you let her go. Good. I'm, good, I'm good, actually good. a little, I get a little ahead. <laughs> no, that's good, that's good. So watch her. Is she screaming? Is she yelling? Yes, she's doing the kid thing of laying on the ground and beating her hands and her feet. Wonderful. And then she's just like running, running, running around like in circles and tearing at things. I mean, it's full-blown. It's pretty full-blown. How does that feel inside of you to watch her doing this? It feels like it's not enough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like bigger, more. Well, this is just the beginning here, you know, mm-hmm. in a sense that in part of the homework here for you would be to go in and give her more time. You may find, too, that you may want to be expressing some of that through your body. You don't have to. But to give her the space that she knows it's okay. She can have tantrums, and no adult, that's you, is going to, you know, give her a difficult time for being authentic with her feelings. She can have, in fact, she can take her to her own space. We we highly recommend that, too. Now, is she still wanting to have this tantrum, or do you, or would she like to go to a magical place with you that really is her magical place? She's kind of, it's still in her, but she's back in my lap. Okay. So ask her, say, hey, would you like, to, to me, I can show you a really magical place that's completely yours. Do you want to go see it? You want to go see a magical place. And she's nodding. She's nodding. Okay. So, again, we're just doing what we did last time with our last guest, but um, our last caller. And look around the room and see if there's some, maybe a trap door over here or a closet or a door of some kind. You're looking for a place where there's a magical opening. And you can just make it up. But you take her through this opening in the closet or or through a floorboard that might lift up a couple of floorboards or it might be around that corner and wow, there's a whole other opening. But you take her down this corridor and it can be dimly lit. It, it can have lights in it. Maybe you both are kind of, uh, what is it, cower, not cowering, but you, um, you're kind of small to get through the passageway or you take her hand and ask her what's her favorite color. What's your favorite color? Good. And then with that, what does she say? She says pink. Okay. So see a pink door ahead. And that pink door in your reality can be a place where you can love this child, nurture her, and give her anything she wants. So as you go through that pink door, what do you notice? Uh, At the beach. You're at the beach. Great. And ask her, what do you want? Anything. What do you want? And she's already, uh, she's running, she's in the waves, she's, this is all happening very quickly. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, I can see you're great at visualization and, and ease with this. Beautiful. And you see right now what you're doing is you're giving your child freedom and your brain is registering it. You're creating new neural pathways. You are creating a new childhood for yourself. It doesn't replace the other one. It doesn't ameliorate it, but it can start to repair and heal. But this child will love you watching them play. And just see if, if if that's what she wants, if she wants anything more at this time. She wants me to play with her. Okay. And ask her what kind of play. What does she most want? Yeah, it's the sand castles. Mm, 
sandcastles. You know, the, the um, you know, sand. But, yep. With the, yeah. <laughs> oh, you mean like, <laughs> I mean like the plastic things or the yeah, shovels and stuff? Yeah. Things. Mm-hmm. Excellent. And as you do that, look at your child. What is her expression? How is she being right now? She's happy. Mm-hmm. She's smiling. There's still sadness, but there's... It's almost cautionary. Mm-hmm. A little tentative. You know, like she's mm-hmm. not sure this is going to last or... Right. She gets all into it and then she's not sure it's okay. Right. So this mm-hmm. is where this is where the beautiful spiritual adult comes in. You see, I'm, as I've said before, you never want to promise something to the inner child, the adolescent, different part of yourself without carrying through. Now, do you think, Lisa, this is something you could commit to, where you will go in regularly, take her into this, you know, through the pink door to the beach, and then start to build these things? You might, she might have a house on the beach, or friends, or a pony, or whatever it is that she wants. But you, you start repeating, going back and feeding this reality for her so that she can have what she wants. And it's not to you know, get her out of my reality and get her off to some other place. It's to actually love her and be with her. So when she has confusion, I'm still afraid of mommy or daddy or whatever made her so afraid. Or, wow, I, I don't really feel like I'm free to actually express myself without getting in trouble. She may say these things in time because you're building a new relationship based on responsibility but also trust you're building trust here and this child hasn't known trust yeah yes because i have played with her before and not maintained it that's it so this is kind of this is the work of a legendary leader a portion of it i'm going to take personal responsibility to build these new neural pathways for the places that have not been nurtured or fed and are still hanging out there in pain. Beautiful, beautiful job. Now, I'd like you to, maybe she's right there, but give her a little gift. This is a trinket or a a crystal or something so that in her world she has a keepsake that means that future self is real. This isn't a fake thing. This is very real. Okay. I'm giving her a little... um headband Uh uh-huh and again look into her eyes and and acknowledge her you are you are so what is she longing to hear this little girl you are wonderful just as you are Mm -hmm. I love you just as you are and here is something for you to remember that Mm-hmm. And what's her reaction? She's very cautious. I'm wondering, what is something that's a little more quirky, or it's not that it's more real, but something that is that she would, you know, that you would, would say, hey, you know, um, how do I put this? Because right now you're, the energy with which you're saying that is, it's not that it's parental, but it's a little distant. Can you feel that, that she could use a little more intimacy? Mm. Now, here's the thing. Something more special? No, not more special, honey. Not more special. Something like, you know what? I think you look great all messy with sand on you. (laughs) Or, honey, I know you've been afraid and I'm going to be here to 
be with you so that maybe some of that fear goes away. Just things that are authentic, they're right down to earth and real, yeah? Will you play with that and practice it a little bit? I'd love to hear back from you. You can, every, and that talks to anybody out there, my, you can always reach me at maria at legendaryleaders.com. But tell me how this homework goes for you, okay? And we want to thank okay, you for coming on I'm the show. I'm sorry, could you say again what to, to, to do? Take, I didn't quite get that. To go in and when you take, spend time with her, that right. you will say things are just kind of really common, like, hey, do you want an ice cream? And, oh, I see you have sand on your face. And just natural things so she can connect and isn't that you're not being like a parenting figure. You're just being more easy and natural with her. Will you do that? Yes. Okay. And just do it well, maybe a couple times a week and start building up that muscle. And we want to thank you, Lisa, for phoning in. We only have about three minutes left on the call today. So we want to thank you so much for your vulnerability. It was very sweet of you. Thank you for letting me coach you. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you. And um, that's about all the time we have today. I, I see you, Kate from Buffalo, um, and we hopefully you'll come on the next hour where we can do some channeling and, and coach, coaching for you at that call. So for those of you who would like more information about me and my work, please go to mariadanley.com. And Danley has no ease. It's mariadanley, D-A-N-L-Y.com. And uh, that's mariadanley.com. If you'd like, if you like the music that you hear on my show, you can also purchase the CD Invocation, Journey, and Ritual. It's on Amazon uh, at Amazon.com. By going to Amazon and right in the search bar, Maria Danley Invocation, and this my CD will pop up. It's something that I created when I was living in LA, and it uh, has a lot of beautiful music on it. Also, I will be starting a new group coaching series starting in February. This is going to be so that I can share all my coaching tools and my coaching live with a group that wants to start with me to build those muscles. You can get deeper understanding of the fundamentals that I'm sharing with you on the radio show, and you can accelerate your journey to become the legendary leader you're destined to be. I'll be connecting with many of you coming up. So at legendaryleaders.com, sign up for that call that starts 10 minutes after the end of this call. And you can sign up for that weekly telechanneling call ahead of time. So please go to legendaryleaders.com and sign up for your spot. Also, next week, we'll have Barnett Bain on our show, an award-winning producer and director with film credits, including his being a producer on the Oscar-winning What Dreams May Come, starring Robin Williams. Triple Emmy, Emmy nominee, Homeless to Harvard, where Barnett was the executive producer. Just some of his accomplishments. We'll be talking with him, and we'll be talking about your adolescence. So for those of you who like to do your homework in real time, gather pictures of yourself at that age. Thank you, everyone, for listening to Legendary Leaders today, Answering the Higher Calling. It's an honor to support all of you Unsung Heroes on your journey to become the legendary leaders you are destined to be. Until next week. I send you my love and best wishes. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in this week for Legendary Leaders. Maria Danley invites you to join her for another inspiring show next Tuesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave channel. Have a wonderful week.